Hey, it's Nathan, and this is day 57 of the Bible in 90 Days. We're in Jeremiah chapters 24 through 33. Chapter 24 is a parable about two baskets of figs. One basket is full of very good figs, while the other is full of very bad ones. God then tells Jeremiah what the two different baskets represent. Like these good figs, I regard as good the exiles from Judah, whom I sent away from this place to the land of the Babylonians. God will bless those who willingly go to Babylon. They will prosper, in fact. More than that, God will give them a heart to know him. On the other hand, the bad figs, which are so bad they cannot be eaten, says the Lord. So I will deal with Zedekiah, king of Judah, his officials, and the survivors from Jerusalem, whether they remain in this land or live in Egypt. I will make them abhorrent and an offense to all the kingdoms of the earth. Disaster would follow disaster until they were destroyed. Chapter 25, a chapter well worth reading. By this time, Jeremiah has been prophesying to the people of Judah for 23 years, but the people have not listened. Worse, though the Lord has sent all his servants, the prophets, to you again and again, you have not listened or paid any attention. God then told them, You have aroused my anger with what your hands have made, and you have brought harm to yourselves. What you may be noticing is the repetitive nature of Jeremiah's ministry, warning after warning after warning, and many of them very similar. God simply did not want his people to miss the message. Tragically, they simply would not listen. This chapter does introduce something new, however. When the 70 years are fulfilled, I will punish the king of Babylon and his nation, the land of the Babylonians, for their guilt, declares the Lord, and will make it desolate forever. The rest of the chapter essentially builds on the following lines. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me. Take from my hand this cup filled with the wine of my wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. When they drink it, they will stagger and go mad because of the sword I will send among them. This cup represented that God would bring judgment on all mankind and put the wicked to the sword. Disaster would spread from nation to nation with the slain stretching from one end of the earth to the other. In chapter 26, Jeremiah is told to warn the people who come to worship at the temple. Tell them everything I command you. Do not omit a word. Perhaps they will listen and each will turn from their evil ways. Then I will relent and not inflict on them the disaster I was planning because of the evil they have done. When the priests and people heard it, however, they cried out, You must die! Why do you prophesy in the Lord's name that this house will be like Shiloh and this city will be desolate and deserted? And then the people close in on the courageous prophet. The palace officials arrive soon enough, and Jeremiah warns them too, appealing with them to change course. He offers no resistance to their anger toward him, yet warns, 
If you put me to death, you will bring the guilt of innocent blood on yourselves and on this city. Then the people changed their minds. This man should not be sentenced to death. He has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. Then some of the elders step forward and tell a story from the time of Hezekiah, when another prophet, Micah, had similarly warned the kingdom of coming disaster. Hezekiah had responded with humility, and God had held back the disaster. One more prophet is mentioned in the chapter, Uriah. He is not as fortunate, however, as he was hunted down and executed by the king's men. The chapter notes in the last line, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, supported Jeremiah, and so he was not handed over to the people to be put to death. Chapter 27 finds Jeremiah acting out another parable. Make a yoke out of straps and crossbars and put it on your neck. Then word was sent to the surrounding nations with the message, Babylon would soon invade. Now I will give all your countries into the hands of my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. I will make even the wild animals subject to him. Those who cooperated would prosper, and those who did not would be crushed. The remainder of the chapter is a warning against believing the false assurances that the confiscated articles of the sanctuary would soon be returned by Nebuchadnezzar. No such thing would happen. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar would return for more. Chapter 28 tells of a false prophet, Hananiah. He boldly contradicts Jeremiah's prophecy of coming doom. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, removed from here and took to Babylon. Jeremiah heartily responds, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words you have prophesied. But then he proceeds to offer a word of caution, ending with this line. The prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord only if his prediction comes true. Hananiah then took Jeremiah's wooden yoke and broke it, a symbolic act affirming his declaration of coming peace. Then God sent a message through Jeremiah. I will put an iron yoke on the necks of all these nations to make them serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Before the chapter ends, the Lord sends a message to Hananiah through Jeremiah. I am about to remove you from the face of the earth. This very year you are going to die because you have preached rebellion against the Lord. And he did. Chapter 29, by the way, another chapter you should read, records the text of a letter sent by Jeremiah to the exiles in Babylon who had been captured by Nebuchadnezzar. In the letter, Jeremiah encourages the people, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, 
do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. In it, Jeremiah refers to the 70-year time frame again, assuring the people that God would fulfill his good promise and bring them back to their own land when the time was completed. He further encourages the people with this word, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future, as well as encouragement for the people to seek God. The letter also declares dire consequences to the false prophets who had arisen to contradict God's word. The final verses in the chapter address a specific false prophet, Shemaiah, declaring in the final lines, He will have no one left among this people, nor will he see the good things I will do for my people, declares the Lord, because he has preached rebellion against me. Incidentally, this letter is almost certainly the one referred to in Daniel chapter 9, which inspired Daniel the prophet to pray the prayer recorded in that chapter, chapter 9 of Daniel. Chapter 30, by the way, another chapter well worth reading, is a message to the people about the hope of restoration. Do not be afraid. Jacob, my servant, do not be dismayed, Israel, declares the Lord. I will surely save you out of a distant place, your descendants from the land of their exile. Jacob will again have peace and security, and no one evil will make him afraid. Why do you cry out over your wound, your pain that has no cure? Because of your guilt, your great guilt and many sins, I have done these things to you. But all who devour you will be devoured. All your enemies will go into exile. Those who plunder you will be plundered. All who make spoil of you, I will despoil. But I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord, because you are called an outcast, Zion for whom no one cares. I will restore the fortunes of Jacob's tents and have compassion on his dwellings. The city will be rebuilt on her ruins, and the palace will stand in its proper place. Chapter 31, another chapter well worth reading, continues this word of hope to the captives. The people who survive the sword will find favor in the wilderness. I will come to give rest to Israel. This chapter includes one of the most beautiful lines in the Bible. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. What follows is the assurance of both restored land and restored joy. The people will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. They will be like a well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. Speaking of his people, here referred to as Ephraim, Is not Ephraim my dear son, the child in whom I delight? Though I often speak against him, I still remember him. Therefore my heart yearns for him. I have great compassion for him, declares the Lord. This chapter also includes the new covenant that God will make. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. 
No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Chapter 32 reports that Jeremiah bought a field in Jerusalem as an act of faith in the promise of God that the people would return and resettle the land from which they had been exiled. At the time he bought the field, the city was under siege by Nebuchadnezzar and Zedekiah was about to be taken prisoner and hauled off to Babylon. After Jeremiah purchases the land, the deed is preserved in a clay jar. Then Jeremiah prays to God about the dire circumstances, affirming God's providential work and also acknowledging the siege taking place. God responds by explaining again to Jeremiah why the trouble is coming and then reiterating the assurance that the people would be restored. This is what the Lord says. As I have brought all this great calamity on this people, so I will give them all the prosperity I have promised them. Chapter 33 finds Jeremiah still confined to the courtyard of the guard, where he receives another message from God. The chapter focuses largely on God's promise of restoration. I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were before, says the Lord. Several lines also point to the coming of the Messiah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. The chapter ends with God emphatically confirming that he will certainly be true to his covenant, as certain as the cycle of day and night continues. And that's all for today.